0: of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion on 20 different stations broadcasting throughout the United States of America and via our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. We're going to continue our look at the race to the White House 2016 and focus on the Democratic side in just a moment but i feel like we've got to mention two bizarre stories that could be related at least somewhat out of las vegas uh, dealing at least tangentially (laughs) well one directly one tangentially with the miss universe pageant and of course there is a donald trump connection here (laughs) since trump used to own but recently sold uh, the miss universe pageant apparently This was a clusterfark of epic proportions as, as the new host and Fox was broadcasting it for the first time, Steve Harvey... Apparently, uh, totally blew the winner. What what happened here, Lee? I wasn't watching. Yes. But what, explain
1: this. So he announced the winner as Miss Columbia, and she's out there with the crown and the flowers and crying, and then he realizes... I have to apologize. <laughs> the first runner-up. Is Colombia. That's the one who was out there with the crown. Miss Universe 2015
0: is Philippines. Wow. So 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 what did Miss Columbia do?
1: Did, oh, She just stood there like dumbstruck, like what is going had she, on? Had she had
0: the crown placed on her yet?
1: Oh, oh, she was walking the runway crying so with the crown take, and the sash and everything. Did they take it away from her? <laughs> yes, they did. Did she
0: fight them? <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I know, it, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of an expert in this area having a three-year-old girl. I can tell you. Getting a a, a crown away from a girl is not going to be an easy proposition, especially (laughs) when she's crying.
1: Oh, devastating. And then Steve Harvey went on Twitter and just made it worse. He apologized and misspelled both of their their country's names, and then that was deleted, and then he put it—it's just a mess.
0: Well— It's funny, in a weird way, um, that this has a Trump connection, because it kind of goes to what we were talking about in the last segment, about Trump's greatest flaw, and there are many. Trump has many flaws. But his biggest, or at least most annoying, is that if you're nice to him, he will not say anything bad about you, even if you're Vladimir Putin. Right. Well, interestingly, he has not tweeted anything bad. He's tweeting. He's been tweeting over the last couple hours. He has not tweeted anything bad about the pageant at all, and the only thing he did do is he retweeted somebody saying, uh, "Miss Universe, where's Donald Trump when you need him?" <laughs> that, 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 that's 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 it. Um, yeah. And here and here's why: because he got paid a boatload of money by these people, and uh-huh. I guarantee that there are contracts where he has a non-disparagement against the the, the pageant, uh, at least for a certain amount of time. And so here's, here's Trump's flaw. He is For a guy whose whole campaign is based upon the notion, I can't be bought, he can be easily bought. Just say nice things about him or pay him money for your pageant. He won't say anything bad. I mean, that's the, that's the essence of Donald Trump. And I'm sorry, when you're going to be president of the United States, this kind of stuff matters. Now, the other story that may or may not be directly related, but it's an amazing coincidence... It's bizarre, and, and maybe in some ways this has to do with Trump, too, because this wouldn't happen on Trump's watch. There was apparently a, a person who mowed down several pedestrians just outside the hotel where this pageant was happening, correct?
1: Yes, correct. This was, uh, okay, apparently the vehicle drove up onto the sideway. This is in front of the Paris Hotel and Casino. Struck pedestrians. We're talking 37 people Taken to the hospital, one person killed, seven in critical condition, 26 injured, four treated and released. Um, And they are saying that there is a counterterrorism unit at the scene. However, they do say the Miss Universe pageant was being held nearby at the Planet Hollywood Las Vegas Resort at the time of the crash. Okay,
0: I've I've been to Las Vegas several times. I I don't remember how the proximity. I don't either. uh, It sounds like that could be the nearby might not be that nearby. Uh, based upon the way you're you're reading the story there, but who knows? But, I mean, the reality is um, two big stories out of Las Vegas uh, tonight. Uh, one is hilarious and bizarre, and frankly not that uh, impactful. The other one is tragic because at least one person has died. We don't know mm-hmm. uh, exactly why.
1: And they're uh, not ruling out that this wasn't intentional either.
0: Is that specifically being said, or they, or, or is that just not being ruled out?
1: Uh, they're not ruling. They're not ruling it out, but they're they are jumping to the forefront saying it doesn't appear to be a terrorist act as okay. they usually do.
0: All right. Well, as we've known from recent history, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Although this doesn't feel it doesn't feel no. like a terrorist attack, uh, but it certainly feels like a, a crazy set of circumstances. Right. Um, and if we find out more before the end of the program, we'll certainly tell you. Um, all right. So when we come back, I want to get to one last thought on where I think we are with the Republican field and then move on to the insanity that's going on on the Democratic side, plus other news to get to before the end of the program. Lots to come right here on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. When we get back now to the um, race of the White House 2016 for at least a segment, maybe a little bit more. Before we move to the Democrats, Leah, I just want to finish up my thought process on where we are heading into the holidays now on the Republican side. And I I, I really am um, getting quite depressed about uh, where this is all going. Uh, There's an Iowa poll out today from CBS uh, that shows that Cruz is now leading by a significant margin over Trump. But here's the most amazing part. Trump and Cruz currently hold 71% of the vote in Iowa among Republicans. (laughs) 71%. Marco Rubio, the guy who's beating Hillary or tying her in every single head-to-head poll has only 12%. Trump, who's getting plastered by Hillary in every single head-to-head poll, including Fox, has him now down by 11 points while having Rubio up by two just this weekend. Trump and Cruz, who also loses to Hillary every single time, 71%. So that's how crazy things are. 71% of Iowa GOP... GOPers currently plan to vote for someone who cannot win, while only 12% plan to vote for a guy who beats Hillary in almost every single, or at least ties her, in every single head-to-head poll. But I mean, it,
1: look, the party's in an open revolt. That's just all there is to it. I mean, you're not going to get these people to vote for an establishment person. I mean, it's really crystal clear.
0: I understand <sighs> that, and I accept it. But that doesn't mean that it makes any sense or that it's right, right or that it's not going to lead to Hillary Clinton being president. Because that draw—I mean, I love whenever I tweet these these uh, polls out, the responses I get are just delusional. My, my favorite, of course, is that, well, you know, it's a, almost a year to the election. People will change their minds. Hold on a second. <laughs> Hold on a second.
1: We got the primaries coming soon. Well, no, not
0: only do we have the primaries coming soon, we're in a fairly unique situation here. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are not just known; they are well known by 100% of the voting age population. That's that's pretty rare. I mean, I, I would I would venture to guess that there's not been a, a, a at this point in a in a primary a situation where you could put two people head to head that were more well known. To the general public than Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. So right. so the numbers mean a lot. And it is my very strong belief that tr- in a rational world, barring a catastrophic event, which you're banking on, yes. uh, Trump cannot beat Hillary. And Cruz, in a weird way, even though he would probably lose by less to Hillary, in a weird way, if I'm Hillary, I want to run against Ted Cruz. That's my pick because even though... Even though he's, I might not blow him out as easily as I would Trump. Trump's like going into a boxing match against a southpaw on crack who's autistic. I mean, he might get a lucky punch and and knock you out, all right? Cruz, you know exactly what you're getting. He's got a right hook, and that's it. Right hook, right, 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 right. He's as conservative as possibly be. Lockstep, he's going to get 46, maybe 47% of the vote if everything goes exactly right. And I'm going to beat him with no problem. That's what's going to happen if Ted Cruz is the nominee. And if I had a gun to my head right now, Leah, here's where my percentages are. I think we're at 85, 90% that either Cruz or Trump is the nominee. And 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 in and that other fifteen percent, I still think it would be Rubio. Although there's an outside outside chance of a Christie, or I don't think this one percent that Jeb could somehow do it. But the no. point the, the point the point here is that even here's where I'm why I'm depressed. That fifteen percent where Rubio's the nominee, none of those percentage points include a scenario where he's unscathed and hasn't haven't gone through a bloodbath. Where the Trump and Cruz people go say go to hell, we're not voting for you. We're staying home. In which right. case, Rubio can't win anyway. So exactly. my so my point is that we're at 85. 85- they will
1: stay home. They'll stay home
0: if he's the nominee. I understand that. So we're at 85 percent now. That it's either Trump or Cruz, and I basically put it at 50 50 between those two. I really I think there's about a 40 45 percent chance for each cru- for each for Cruz and for Trump, and that means that basically. We're about 95 percent Hillary is the next president of the United States. That's the bottom line of all this, and it's depressing as hell because it didn't need to be this way. Rubio could have won, but that scenario is not uh, in any way, shape, or form happening right now, and I'm more than willing to admit it because I see reality unlike – Trump and Cruz fans.
1: All right. But you know what? I think there are some people, uh, the Trump and Cruz people, who even if it's a certainty that Hillary Clinton is the next president, they'd rather vote for a Trump or a Cruz any day than go again and vote for a a person who is not going to be what we believe they're going to be. Then
0: don't bitch about Hillary Clinton. That's fine. Then don't. No, we bitch. can bitch
1: about Hillary Clinton no, 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 if no, want no. to, because we be bitching about Marco Rubio no, no, and even no, worse. No, no, you don't get because to bitch.
0: he's supposed you. to be A when he's actually B. No, that's baloney. That's more that, frustrating. No, that's baloney. That is that is. Oh, it's b- way more frustrating. No, no, hold on. First of all, you know I realize this is a losing battle, so I don't. It, it's not even worth fighting, although we're up against the brakes now. We have no choice, so, so I'm going to fight this battle for three minutes right now anyway. He, here's the thing that's absurd about both Rubio and Cruz's position in 2013 on immigration, because that's the source of your problems with Rubio and the source of a lot of people's problems with Rubio because he was a part of the Gang of Eight and he was pro-amnesty and all that. It's irrelevant, and it's absurdly and obviously irrelevant, and here's why. And it drives me crazy that the Rubio campaign won't explain this. I've, I've urged them to do so. They've told me to go pound sand. And it's, it's amazing to me that no one ever mentions this. Here's the reason why it's ridiculous and irrelevant. In 2013, the president was Barack Obama and Harry Reid was the Senate majority leader. If either of them are president, they're president, and hopefully they've got a Republican Senate. Those are two different worlds. Those are two different worlds with regard to what is doable, what is possible. Bills are negotiation. When you have Obama as president and Harry Reid as Senate Majority Leader, Rubio and Cruz were in no bargaining position. So they were taking positions on aspects of a bill that they would not take as president, with a Republican Senate and a Republican House. That's obvious. And it's imbecilic. It is imbecilic to judge these two guys. And by the way, I believe Cruz is lying. About his position on legalization, he was clearly—he is absolutely lying—and you're fooling no, yourself. it was a Leah. poison pill no, that he put B- in baloney. there. Not baloney, but you're it was. Leah. You are delusional on that. If you check the record on it, he made it clear he wanted the bill to pass. He wanted the bill to pass. He's yes. now lying. It and then not, not vote for 25 no, years. Not baloney. He, he, is a, he is a slippery used car salesman <laughs> who will lose to Hillary Clinton 99 <laughs> out of 100 times. Well, look, uh, he
1: is going to lose because the media absolutely hates him. Right.
0: Absolutely. And he
1: can't overcome it. No. He can't he does, overcome it. I'm have, not so sure Donald Trump right, can right, overcome it. Right, because he doesn't it. have the Trump magic. He does at all. Now,
0: the Trump magic is going to go away as soon as he's the nominee, but at least he has it currently. So you have have that puncher's chance, which is about 8%. All right. When we come back, (laughs) other news stories we haven't gotten to yet. Oh, the Democrats, I forgot, on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting (laughs) Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Together we're the John and Leah Show. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And finally, well past what my plan was, uh, we are going to get to the Democratic side of the race for the White House 2016. Believe it or not. There's not
1: much to cover there, so...
0: (laughs) Well actually there was a little bit of news this week and even a debate even though it was on a Saturday night when no one was actually watching. So tell us <laughs> That's right. So tell us about this dust up between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton.
1: Right. Well, the uh, coronation of Hillary Clinton continued another debate held on a Saturday night, but before the debate Bernie Sanders actually fired a staffer for what was reported as stealing Hillary Clinton voter information from the DNC database. He addressed this whole thing right off the bat.
0: Some of our staff screwed up, and I apologize for that. But to shut off our access to our own information to significantly hinder our campaign was a complete overreaction, uh, and that was absolutely wrong.
1: Now, one of the most questionable remarks by Hillary Clinton, besides her saying that right now we have ISIS right where we want them, was this one about Donald Trump. And he also responds. They are going to people showing videos of Donald Trump insulting Islam and Muslims.
0: There's nobody. She just made it up. I mean, she made it up. It was a soundbite.
1: She said that Donald Trump is a recruitment tool right now for ISIS. There is no evidence to support this statement that they're showing his videos in order to get recruits. And the fact checkers have somehow overlooked this.
0: (laughs) So we have to talk about Trump even when we're talking about the Democratic debate. It's amazing. It is. Um, All right, let's talk about this uh, this, um, dust-up over the data issue for Sanders and Clinton, because I think this is more interesting than it meets the eye.
1: Yes, because it's boring to me, so I'm hoping there's more to it.
0: Okay, here's why it's important, and here's why it's interesting. First of all, what really happened here was not a big deal. This was the vendor—this is how weird this is— the same vendor houses the data for both campaigns— Okay. apparently the Sanders people and the best analogy I can come up with is the Sanders people were were doing their own business and they found a a thousand dollar bill (laughs) or a hundred dollar bill, whatever denomination you might think is appropriate here. And they found this hundred dollar bill. And the first time they found it, they returned it. They told the the, the party, hey, look, um, (laughs) we found this data. This is a problem. And they did the right thing. Then later, two months later, this week apparently, they found another hundred dollar (laughs) bill, and and this time, this time they decided, screw it, let's keep it. Exactly. Yeah, let's keep it. And the the Sanders people found out about it and fired him. Now, what's interesting about this is there was no need for the Democratic Party or either campaign to make this public. We should never have known about this. There's, I mean, there was, the, the leak that this happened had to have come from the Democratic Party. Had to okay. have. So why would the Democratic Party leak this? The old, and in combination with leaking it, make a ruling, which was absurd, that would completely decapitate the Sanders campaign in Iowa because they would take away all their data, which is critical in a caucus especially, so so that the DNC simultaneously leaks this and destroys the Sanders campaign. The only logical explanation for this is the DNC is one worried for Hillary, that they and, may have found something. No, 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 no. That Sanders is causing a problem. Uh, that, that he, that she is like potentially in real danger. And two, they're so in the tank for Hillary that they're willing to proactively make themselves look bad and take away their second leading candidate's data in order to protect her. Well, yeah. That's amazing. Now, it's not being spun that way, of course, because that's too complicated for the moronic media who's in the tank for her. But I'll tell you what. It's not a coincidence that a CBS poll came out today, which, by the way, I emailed to Matt Drudge. And Matt Drudge finally put it up today right after I emailed him because I couldn't believe he wasn't all over this. This is amazing. A CBS poll out. For for a race that's supposedly finished, right? Hillary is coronated. This thing's over. Don't even bother worrying about Bernie Sanders. According to this poll, if the the vote was today in Iowa and New Hampshire, by the time those two votes were taken, Bernie Sanders would have far more votes than Hillary Clinton. (laughs) He he crushes her in New Hampshire. He's ahead of her by 16 points in New Hampshire. He's, he's at Iowa. He's a he's a behind your mic, like eight in Iowa. He's he's got fifty six. Percent. If Donald Trump had 56% in New Hampshire, the media coverage would be 24-7. Oh, my God. Save the republic. What is going on here? How could Donald Trump have 56% in New Hampshire? That's what Bernie Sanders has. He's a flipping socialist nut job. He, he is way less credible than Donald Trump. Where are all the stories about... Oh my god. I know, the Democrats I know. have a Bernie Sanders problem. There's none because the media is not interested in that narrative. That narrative is actually f- at least as viable. At least as viable when Bernie Sanders is getting 56% in New Hampshire right now. So that you I guarantee you the Democratic Party and the Hillary campaign knew
1: they're freaking
0: out. They knew this was happening and they're like, whoa, 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 what we've seen this movie before. this was 2008 all <laughs> over again. this is this is a horror film. We don't like this. We're gonna stop and I told you they were gonna I told you from the beginning if there was any sign that Bernie Sanders was gonna make trouble, they were gonna slit his throat and yeah. this this was their attempt to slit his throat. Well, I don't think it worked. I mean it got him to apologize. That I mean that's Yes, not, but
1: he follows it right back up with no, a slam to the DNC. No, he
0: did about as well as he could. But when you're first when the first thing out of the gate in one of only a couple of debates is I gotta to apologize to the other side that's not good. Although for Democrat, you know what? For Republicans, that would be death. For Democrats, that might actually be a positive. They yeah. like apologies. They uh-huh. like they like wussification. So so who am I to know exactly how Democratic <laughs> voters are going to respond to that? But the reality is that Bernie Sanders. Well, he's not going to win the nomination because if he get even if he if he wins New Hampshire, I mean, if he were to somehow win Iowa and New Hampshire, there would be certainly an earthquake. I still think Hillary survives the earthquake. If he wins only one of the two, the media would be so Trump-obsessed they would ignore it. Oh, by the way, uh, you know these crazy Democrats in New Hampshire, which is irrelevant. Let's pay no attention to this. Let's move That's on. That's right. That's let's, right. Let's move on. Oh, by the way, Hillary's leading in South Carolina, so this is nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Um, so, so he's not going to win the nomination, but if the news media wanted— to make that a race they absolutely can make that a race i mean she is a terrible candidate even on the democratic she, side
1: look she doesn't even care to be back from the restroom yeah.
0: after breaks yeah that's an interesting story too she uh, doesn't care well it's not that she doesn't care it's the i think it goes to the royalty mentality that her her royal highness by the way did you read the story on drudge about that apparently I didn't. apparently It wasn't as if she couldn't have gone to the bathroom. She didn't want to go to the bathroom while someone else was in the same bathroom. Now, that, if true, and the the story seems credible, that, if true, is, to me, amazing. So she would rather be late coming back to the debate than go to the bathroom while someone else is in the same bathroom. Not the same stall. Not the same stall. The same bathroom. This Royal Highness, Hillary Clinton, can't go to the bathroom unless she's got total privacy. Now, that's insane. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and again, if a but Repu- being
1: back for the debate doesn't matter.
0: Well, because she doesn't because she knows it's a coronation.
1: Of I course. Mean, it's
0: a coronation. That's what it is. Now, this is not directly related, but I have to at least mention this because I'll be a hypocrite if I don't because I, the most underreported story of the week for sure and maybe of the year when you consider the ramifications of this Deals with what the New York Times did with Barack Obama. Oh, you bet. And this is unbelievable to me that this is not get more publicity uh, on every level. Here's the basic story. So Barack Obama holds this get-together with chummy left-wing columnists and commentators and apparently makes the statement that he was slow to respond to San Bernardino because he didn't understand how—I'm how, how I'm paraphrasing. This is a pretty good paraphrase. Uh, he didn't understand how tense the country was because he hadn't been watching much cable television. Now, that's not me making that up. That's not hyperbole. That's a fair assessment, right, Leah? That's what he said. No, that's exactly what he uh, said. So he said that. The New York Times— in the first edition of this report, puts that in the web version of the story. By the way, the the story headline changes four times. Four (laughs) times. By the time it gets into publication, that is excised from the story and go down the memory hole, never to be seen even on the web again. This was George Orwell, if he was still alive, who wrote 1984, would look at that and go, Oh my God, I can't believe how right I was when I wrote 1984. I mean, that's exactly from the book.
1: I mean Well, a, a few people started tweeting out about this. I think CNN was one of them. And a few other people, they were like, oh my gosh, shaking my head, this and that. Come on, Obama. And then, boom, it disappears. It,
0: it, it went nowhere. <laughs> I mean, and and, and we've always talked about the power of the New York Times. The New York Times power has been greatly diminished in New York and as a single entity, but its real power is it's a bat signal to the rest of the mainstream news media. Oh, and, sure. w- and when they say something is forbidden, verboten, it's gone. It's done. Forget about it. Let's move on. He never said it, and we never edited it out because you know, we're the New York I'm- Times. The most arrogant SOBs on the planet, and I've dealt with yeah. them, work for the New York Times. It is is—it's disgrace at every level. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I We I this break. isn't
1: the first time either. Oh,
0: no, it's not, but this is maybe the most obvious and dramatic and it's just mm-hmm. this is why we got Obama and this is why the country is going to the toilet and why journalism is dead. All yeah. right, final segment coming up on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. The final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. Together we make the John and Leah Show. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And it's possible you may have heard that there was a Star Wars movie that came out this weekend. And, uh, Leah, it's done okay at the box office, apparently.
1: Yes, apparently it's the largest opening of any movie ever in North America uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Let's see, 238 million dollars domestically, globally more than a half a billion dollars. And uh, I have friends. I w- I figured you know people would be able to go see it Saturday, Sunday. I mean it opened Thursday, but no. Some friends of mine went this morning, stood in line for two hours at the early early show, and they still couldn't get tickets.
0: It's unbelievable and I'm fascinated by what, what whatever causes these these manias and this is clearly a mania. It uh, is. I mean beyond a mania this is maybe something we've never seen before with regard to movies. Um, and I you know I've seen most of the Star Wars films and they, you know I grew up in that era in the 70s it was a huge mm-hmm. deal. I think that this is a testament to a couple of things one of which I think it's underestimated is the power ...of 1970s, for lack of a better term, celebrity. 1970s celebrity is worth so much exponentially more than celebrity today. I mean, today, I mean, it was the,
1: real back then. Yeah, I
0: mean, the celebrities that we have today, 50, 40, 50 years ago, no one's gonna remember them ever. No, um, no. But in the 70s, if you were a celebrity or if, if your entity, your film, you know, made it into the public consciousness because there was so much less clutter i mean so much less clutter i, I mean this is how people like danny bottaducci still have careers of some sort <laughs> i mean all these years later he was a minor player on the partridge family i mean that i mean just using him as one of many examples that yeah. s- the 70s if you were known then it lasted because there wasn't any clutter the other thing about this i find interesting is that if you if you were going to tell somebody back in the 70s all right, here's the deal. There's going to be a, um, a series of movies that's going to come out over uh, a 40-year period of time. <laughs> um, and we're going to start with parts four, five, and six. Then we're going to do parts one, two, and three. Which And, <clears throat> and oh, by the way, one, two, and three are going to suck. They're going to be yeah. totally different than four, five, and six. And, yeah. and, by the way, we are going to purposely crap all over our audience by changing plot lines and characters so that they're more conducive to selling toys, right. which we now know is a fact. That's not my, you know, supposition or analysis. That's a fact. We now know that George Lucas did this yes. uh, to much to great profit. Um, and then, oh, by the way, we're going to have part seven come after part one, two, and three. And this is going to be the most successful movie series in the history of man. I think people would have thought, What? What?
1: And we're going to yeah. get a new director, by the way. Yeah, well... We're going to throw away the genius
0: well, and get another guy. I don't believe that George Lucas is a genius at all. I think George Lucas... Oh, is
1: yeah, a, the fans of the Star Wars absolutely believed he was no, a genius. No,
0: I think he is the luckiest man in the history of the world. <laughs> I, I really do. When I, I get the sense from, from just... When I see him talk, which isn't often, which is smart. He's smart not right. to talk often. Oh, yeah, he's a He is smart not to talk often because I think he's dumb. <laughs> I really do. I think I think dumb people often succeed. I think it actually takes a dumb person to succeed at this level. It's, in all seriousness, to, be this, to have this much of an impact on pop culture, you can't be that smart because if you were that smart, you couldn't do something that this many people could relate to. That's just the nature of our society. Um, But look, I mean, it's harmless. It seems like good fun. The movie is getting good uh, word of mouth. And, um, you know, the old timers came back. They were all still alive. That's the
1: greatest thing. That's the greatest thing is that Princess Leia now (laughs) is cruising around talking about how drunk she was for all these years in between. (laughs) She is hysterical. Carrie Fisher, I love her.
0: All right. Now, um, while we're talking movies, I have to make a very rare John Ziegler recommendation for a movie. Uh, you absolutely positively have to go see The Big Short, which is opening nationwide, I guess, this coming week, Uh, I guess just after Christmas. I I saw it on a DVD. Uh, It is phenomenal, and it's important, which is a very rare. Who's in that? What's it about? uh, Oh, it's about the financial collapse of 2007-2008. It's got Christian Bale. It's got um, Steve Carell. It's got Brad Pitt. Uh, it's got some cameos, some hilarious cameos. Uh, it is it is brilliantly done. It is it is funny as hell. They took an incredibly dry subject matter, right, the, the housing market collapse of 2007, sure. 2008, and they made it entertaining. Now, now let me just say I'm grading on a curve because they totally ignore Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. You That's know, right. The, it's all the, Bush's fault, bar, right? Now, they don't say Bush's name. <laughs> But they do take at the very end of the movie they take a shot at Republicans, although it's veiled, Um, you know. So it's it's not anywhere near perfect. I mean, you know, when you don't mention Barney Frank or Maxine Waters name or or Freddie Mac or or, uh, you know whatever. I mean, you know, when that when that whole issue is not even discussed, it can't be perfect. But it is scary as hell. And I think the most important part of this is two things. One, I do think we're gonna. Head to another economic collapse fairly oh, yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump already uh, has alluded to that in the last few days. But also, from my perspective, as somebody who has delved into some of the what I call the big lies, like the Obama lie, and for those who have followed my career, the Penn State lie, and other lies that were so big no one wanted to tackle them, this is a fascinating movie. Because that's what The Big Short is. It's basically, they could call it The Big Lie. And how it is that when a lie gets so big, it, it takes on a life of its own. Because everyone is invested in the lie. It's and, like global warming. It's exactly like global warming. In fact, I tweeted out that if you watch The Big Short and you know what, what you're talking about and what to look for, you'll understand the global warming scam And you'll understand the Penn State scandal scam, which didn't happen. You'll understand very similar stories like this because it's human nature. When everybody is believing something and they're thought to be the experts, it takes on a life of its own. Everyone's afraid to rock the boat. And then everyone has an incentive. Everyone in power has an incentive to keep that lie alive as long as they can. And that's what happens in the big short About the housing market collapse of 2007-2008, and it's a very interesting movie. So I I would urge you to go see that and let me know what you think, Leah.
1: Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I will go see it.
0: Have a merry after
1: Star Wars. Yeah,
0: have a merry Christmas. (laughs) Next week we'll be on with our week, not a week, our year in review as well as a week in review show. So make sure you tune in next Sunday night. Our year in review. It's been quite a year. And our podcast, hopefully, will be available Monday morning at freespeechbroadcasting.com, including my daughter making her broadcast debut. So until then, have a Merry Christmas. I'm John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. Have a good night, everybody.
1: Good night.